You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there, to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industry. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Today, my guest is Hunter Montgomery. Hunter is the CMO of Churn Zero. Hunter's been in B2B tech for around 20 years, and in particular in B2B SaaS for about 15 years. He has seen it all. He's been there, done that, and he's here to tell us all about it. So, Hunter, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah. So for those of for those of us who don't know about Churn Zero, you want to tell us a bit about what uh, your work at Churn Zero? Sure, sure. So Churn Zero is a uh, obviously B two B SaaS company that helps B two B SaaS companies uh, keep their customers happy. You know, obviously the name Churn. That's that's the big metric now, and and one of the big metrics now for SaaS organizations. You don't want your customers to churn. Not only not churn, you want them to. Um, do more with you. If it's spend more, add more users, whatever it may be, kind of the whole net revenue retention um, that everybody's is focused on now. So we, we're a platform that, that allows you to really understand who your customers are, what they're doing, how they're using your product, and make sure they're successful with it and continue to, to use you. Mm-hmm. And can you, can you describe a little bit about what some of the unique aspects of Selling SaaS to other SaaS companies, how is that, how is that different? Um, I mean, I think the, you know, the one thing I think we understand is that there are a lot of options out there. Like there are a lot of products. I think what um, Scott Brinker's last, um, you know, map had like 5,000 B2B tech tools that you can use. So I think one of the things you need to know is there's always another one out there. Um it maybe maybe slightly has more features than you, maybe a little bit more of a niche product, but can do one thing better than you can. So you have to really understand where you fit. I think it makes you hone in and refine how you position yourself. So somebody really knows, okay, what's the value I'm going to get out of your product? What do you do? How am I going to use you? And um, can I get it up and running quickly? Like we don't want a six month implementation. So, because we buy and use other SaaS tools, we understand um, that you need to be to have everything kind of like really locked down when you start to talk to the prospects and and, and in the customers. Mm-hmm. Who is it, who is the exact target persona in that SaaS company? Let's say it's a medium sized SaaS company with say fifty to one hundred employees. Who's who's the target For persona sure, or the ICP? Yeah. I mean, it's a customer success leader, could be a director. Okay. Um, that is, um, I think the last couple of years on LinkedIn, it was one of the top five to 10 new roles. So mm-hmm. customer success is, is growing rapidly as a, as a practice and people. So it's a, you know, it's a director level or above. Um, a lot more companies now are having chief customer officers. We did a survey last year. We have another one actually running right now where we sort of ask all these SaaS 
um, CS people, where do you fit in your organization, right? Are you, do you have a seat at the table? Are you at board meetings? Are you an executive? Do you report directly to the CEO? And we're seeing those numbers go up and up every, you know, every year. So mm-hmm. um, it is not anybody in marketing, like they, it is really targeted. And for us, it's somebody that does have that CS role mm-hmm. because to use a platform, you need to really have an understanding and, and need a team, right? It's not meant for mm-hmm. one or two CSMs. It's meant for a group and a kind of a mm-hmm. scaling organization. Can you tell me in your opinion, how ownership of the churn problem is shared across a typical <laughs> SaaS company? Yeah. Okay. So a CS, a chief CS, uh, who's your primary buyer, he owns part of it or she, who else, who else has ownership or skin in the game and who, for this churn problem? Yeah, I, I think the the companies that are maturing more and really understand it, they put they put a lot of the onus on the sales team, right? Marketing somewhat, um, you know, we have to create the message and the ICP and target the right people. And, you know, we've been doing that for years already, right? We know who we want to target in sick and size. and um, But on the sales side, they're really, and especially at Churn Zero, we have a constant conversation going on between sales, marketing, CS, but really the sales and the CS team are talking because they want to know when they bring somebody in that they're truly ready. I mentioned about the data. You know, one of their big things is when you're going to come into our platform, you better know where your data is and your data is clean um, because a CS platform is only as good as the data that comes in, like any other tool you use. So I think we have that conversation going on. Now, it's a little hard because it's it, it may take six to nine months before you know that that customer really wasn't a good fit. Um, mm-hmm. But when you start to refine that, you're getting rid of those ones that a month in, the customer says, wait a minute, the sales guy told me you can do this. You're telling me you can't do this now? Those conversations, mm-hmm. for the most part, have, have gone away. Because that CS team is so active, owns a number, has onboarding where they, you know, we do MPS scores for onboarding. So because that is constantly checking the health of someone and not waiting for the renewal, the annual renewal, you know, three months out, I have a call. Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that on the sales side, that's something that, that I've seen, at least at this organization more than any other I've been at is has to have some ownership in that. And they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that mean that a, a customer success might even get on some of those sales calls towards the end of that process just we, to- We try to make it. that transition, yep. And we have, a lot of it too is with our SEs. Right? I mean, everyone's had the sales engineers as an important part of the process. But even for us, because they know the questions asked, they know about where, how you set, how you prepared. We mm-hmm. do give a little bit of in, um, background on the implementation. Here's what it's going to be. Here's just so you know, here's what you need to do to get set up. And yes, there are occasions when someone really wants to understand a prospect, we'll bring one of our CS leaders on to have a call. It could even be our, our chief customer officer, uh, Abby Hammer. She'll get on calls for some of those bigger deals where they really want mm-hmm. to understand the process. And having them be available for that, again, is, is another part of just trying to filter through and make sure the right people are coming on board. Mm-hmm. I'd love, I'd love if you could share some benchmarks with me, if you, if you have any, I'm really curious to know what's a good, what's a good churn rate for a, for a B2B <laughs> SaaS company. Let's say the cohort gets to, let's say the cohort's two years old. 
How many of that cohort should be retained for that for you to say, wow, that's that's an elite? Yeah, I mean, that, elite low churn rate. That's a tough one. You know, the the benchmarks are always tough because there's so many factors in how you set it up. But once you get mm-hmm. somebody that's in there for two years, I mean, yeah. that churns it's got to be Betty super low, right? It's it's mm-hmm. the biggest churns of year one, right? And that's mm-hmm. where onboarding is crucial. And, and, and finding the right fit, right? You got to get those people in. And if they're not, you got to flush them out quickly. Um, mm-hmm. you know, by year two, now you're working at expanding that, right? That's that 100 105% net retention, you know, revenue retention. You are keeping mm-hmm. the clients and you're finding ways to either move them up. Like if you have additions, right? Oh, now they're ready for enterprise or you have new feature sets or they're growing too and they need more licenses. So Mm-hmm. Above 100% is something I think a, a good, solid SaaS company with two years out, uh, you know, customers been down there for two years, um, mm-hmm. they're settled in and they, they should be be well plugged in and, and focused. Yeah. And and most of the most of that churn happens in the first year, but is it, isn't it even shorter, maybe the first, say, three months or six well, months? Well, again, it depends on if you're, if you're monthly, annual, if you're an annual contract, oh, right? yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be, it'll be that first year, but you... You know, we are doing much, you know, we right now, very, very much the kind of marketing tries to do and sales try to do and kind of profiling and projecting out, you know, the, the, the pipeline, if you will. We are able to use our churn scores, our health scores of our customers to look at the upcoming quarter. We're doing quarterly and mm-hmm. our CS teams know how they're going to do. And just as almost as well as a sales team looks at their upcoming quarter and all the factors they're using and what they're going to hit in terms of their number, we're doing that on, on our, on our revenue and our churn uh, because mm-hmm. we set up enough data points along the way to know what the likelihood of someone is to, to stay with us or renew or, or not. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's good to, good to have all this data in there. Yeah. Is your solution also effective for a product-led growth SaaS company? You know, how does that change the the equation? I mean, I think that um, that it depends on obviously the the end user. Like for us, yes, there's enough set up. We have walkthroughs, right? So your customers on your platform now, you can set up walkthroughs to make sure they're doing the right things for their onboarding. Like you don't have to. The idea of having a call with a CSM once a week or, you know, once a quarter or whatever it is, is not as critical when you now know how you can set them up based on the data. We have one customer we know, like they say, look, if our customers do this one thing within the first three months, their, you know, likelihood of renewing goes up, you know, tenfold because it's a feature that is so critical for how they use the product that that's in what they can do to drive and make sure, you know, if you're using it, I'm not going to... contact you. If you haven't used it yet, I can set up in-app notifications. I can set up walkthroughs. I can do some things mm-hmm. to really push you along. Um, we even have, we're integrated with a, an LMS. And so we can make you take some classes. If you don't pass that class, we know that's kind of a red flag. But if you pass that class, because we know, we move you on to the next stage. And you may get mm-hmm. kind of back the whole idea. They're going to walk themselves through they're going to know the milestones they have to hit as a customer. And when they're successful, the system will just let them go on to the, to the next thing. So there is a lot mm-hmm. of being able to walk people through uh, the product and understand where they are, target them, and then keep them going along. Um, mm-hmm. So 
I think so. It, it's, as I mentioned, you know, I, I think I, when we were talking a little bit beforehand, one of the things that probably got growth is some products, especially for us, for a CS product, it's new. It's a new practice. And not everybody knows how they need to do all the different things to be successful. So you do need a little bit of handholding. I mean, think about it 15 years ago, if someone on the marketing side said, well, here's this new marketing automation. It's great. It's going to make you be able to do all these things and automate and target and score. Like, that's great. But where do I start? Like, I, I we haven't done this before. Like, I, I have, someone needs to kind of give me a little bit of the push. You mm-hmm. can do that digitally. But, you know, in some ways, I think you still, people like to have that expert that they can talk to and who can mm-hmm. and help them and understand um, how to do the product. Yeah. This seems, this seems like something that every SaaS company needs now, how, but how in the world of SaaS, imagine the total addressable market. How many SaaS companies have a solution like yours? I think the latest uh, study is probably a little bit under 50%, you know? I okay. Think so there's, there's still a lot ha- of half of the market is still to be conquered for a lot of room to grow for, right? for you and, and a few others. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention that the world of SaaS, I mean, the pie itself is getting a lot bigger. It keeps getting bigger, right? SaaS seems to be just conquering the world steadily. Yeah. 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 And I guess it's really, you're selling to the ultimate pain point, which is that you have a leaky bucket and we're the solution that's going to help plug those holes. Do you you look at it that way or do you you typically in your marketing communication, do you you highlight the pain or do you have another, maybe a, a little more optimistic... Well, I think, you, I think you do a little bit of, I think you do a little bit of both, right? There's always a little bit of fear, mm-hmm. but always a little bit of the, the, the positive side is like, it's the growth. It's the opportunity to expand. It's not mm-hmm. so much, you know, the, the, the leaky buckets, a little reactive mindset where expanding and I guess, you know, a little bit of the retaining is, is, is trying to get people to be proactive. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the SaaS world understands there's, all these data points, we're collecting it. It's becoming easier and easier to bring all the data together. We've been doing it for a while. We do all the different tech stacks. So when you can actually really, really understand how your customer is, who your customer is, right? Because you kind of have to segment it in some ways, probably depending on, on what your industry is, um, how they're using your product, uh, how often they're using your product, all these different things. And you can bring it in and then target them that way there is a positive story of really understanding the customer and customer centric centricity is sort of a, it's been overused probably over the years mm-hmm. where I think now finally the technology is caught up to it. Where mm-hmm. if everybody in the organization can see how the customers are doing. I mean, we have an integration with Slack. I can type in, tell me about XYZ company and up in my Slack comes up a profile of that company their health mm-hmm. score, their contract size, whatever you want to bring in. And then if I want to see more, it'll give me even more information. Mm-hmm. The CEO can do that. If he doesn't want to log into Churn Zero, if the salesperson can do that, hey, I had to, I remember I closed his account three week, you know, three months ago. How are they doing? I maybe want to use them as a reference. So you really are giving everybody the ability to get in there and understand what the customers are doing and not have it be uh you know, an annual or quarterly report where people come back and say, well, here's our, you know, here's who we lost. And, you know, we don't know really what happened, but product just build more, right? Instead of yeah. build, build, be smarter. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Quarterly, quarterly is forever in the world of SaaS, isn't it? Yeah. How often should a SaaS company measure their churn rate? 
I mean, it's for us, it's, it's ongoing. It's constant. You can go in there and you can say, you know, how, how are they, you know, we'll, we'll look at stuff monthly, but in just mm-hmm. in terms of health scores, right. There's a churn rate, which has a little bit of it's, it's, it's too late once they've churned, right. Versus mm-hmm. using health scores to see, okay, mm-hmm. in this quarter, here are 10% of our upcoming renewing accounts are in the red. Okay. Well, let's focus on the red. And not focus mm-hmm. on the green because the greens are the ones are, you know, you always have I a surprise like coming out of the green, right? Yeah. But the reds are the ones you know where to put the effort and the time. Mm-hmm. And then you drill down lower. You say, well, oh, I see why. Because these three aren't using this feature or they're having an issue or they have too many tickets or have no tickets or they're not logging mm-hmm. in. Like you as a CSM know so much more to then be prescriptive and come to them and say, Hey, let's talk about it. Or as I mentioned before, it may just be launch a play. It's like market automation. Hey, launch this mm-hmm. play to give them these tips, the pointers, a training session, whatever you think is going to, and you've seen is going to help them get over mm-hmm. that hurdle or, yeah. or, or the phone call. Like I mentioned, sometimes it's just, let's, let's get on zoom. Let's talk it through. Just remind them that you're there. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, this is just straight LTV. I mean, to me, it, there's, uh, it's, it's a no-brainer. And, and as a marketer, I'm thinking, wow, if the, the customer success guys can get the LTV higher, that means my CAC can go higher. Because usually you're trying to juggle that LTV to CAC ratio. And yeah, you, you capture, if you can identify the, the highest at-risk category and, and preserve some of those that would have otherwise churned, it just goes, that just goes straight to LTV. Yeah. Hey, in your opinion, what, how good are a lot of these SaaS companies, let's say early stage SaaS companies, at what point in their journey or their life cycle should they have a really good handle on LTV? That's, that's a good question. I mean, I guess you, you, need, enough, you need enough data to know that, that it's a valid number, right? You, where do you really, yeah. where do you really mm-hmm. sit in, the, in there? So it's got to be a couple of years in so you're mm-hmm. not sort of being um, swayed, you know, you, you your first, your first handful of customers, you know, are probably special because you did, you know, the, the products aren't quite there. You're customized a little bit for them. You're being reactive. Um, yeah. So I think you really have to have some an established flow and you got to have those people coming through. Whatever your rule is, if it's monthly or annual, you have to have enough people go through to see where it is. But even that gets skewed in that first year or two because you're building the product. You're still refining it. Maybe you're still yeah. figuring out. Hey, this is a feature we really need. Let's go develop it, and 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 so um, yeah, definitely. Maybe also um, it may also be about the category. If you're if you're a trailblazer creating a new category, and you're able to get those first cohorts in because they're more of the um, these people are the early adopters, let's say, and and early adopters are maybe by nature prone to churn just because they they want to move on to the next bleeding edge technology after they after yours becomes mainstream. But if you're a category creator and you're gonna get in a lot of these early adopters, you probably would expect them to churn. But if you're coming into a well-established category or if you create that category and then later it becomes more established, um, then probably you, you should expect lower churn rates because you're getting more to the, uh, what's the next group after the early the early adopters? I mean, it's the fast followers or, yeah. or maybe just the, the more mainstream people. Yeah. When everybody knows now this is a category like uh, online chat or something where, uh, of course, everybody knows the category and everybody needs some solution in that category. Yeah. Uh, but 
we have so many conversations with uh, fairly early stage SaaS, I'd say under two years, and lifetime value is not even, we don't even go there. It's kind of, and, and, and if we don't have lifetime value, we just, we just use the annual contract value. And I know that's not really, that's not really fair. I don't think that always leads to good decision-making if you just say we have to acquire at half of our annual contract value. But there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of missing details in those early stages. There are. I mean, at that, those early stages, yeah. I think you're just trying to – I mean, obviously, you've, you've, you've identified a, a need or a pain point and, and people who really want to – companies who really want it. But at that point, it's just keep building – you know, it's kind of stay focused on building the, the best product you can. I'm not saying you stop mm-hmm. doing that, but there is a time where you're just really focused on the product because you know what it needs to be and you know what you want to do and you need to nail that because that people are happy. Like, great. This is sure. It's not doing everything I need, but it's doing what I'm doing and it's doing it really well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, that's also where you get the loyalty, right? People are willing to, to give you, give you a little mm-hmm. leeway if they know you're, you're building a product and, and you're doing it right. Yeah, that maybe it's okay. And you're, you're going to give you a little room. Yeah, and you're going to give them a grandfather pricing deal. Yeah, <laughs> right. That always helps. Yeah, from the, from the buyer side, that always helps. I'm willing to take a chance if somebody, you know, gives me helps me with uh, some deals. Yeah. Well, let's look at this situation from the investor point of view now. The VCs, tons of money flowing in, probably more than ever before. I find it hard to imagine a VC would would make a serious investment in a in a SaaS company. Maybe not too early stage, but let's say Series B. If this company didn't have a solution like yours, if they didn't have a sophisticated churn management, either a program that they did internally, which does everything that your platform does, or they just had had you or somebody else, is this a is this does this give SaaS companies a leg up? when they invest? We, we think it does. I mean, we yeah. think, we know. I mean, and do that, you use that in your marketing? I mean, are, you, are you emphasizing that point? We, we emphasize it. I mean, we definitely emphasize the whole, you know, net revenue retention. I mean, like, look, we're going to Saster Annual in a couple of weeks and, and Yuman Sang, our CEO, he's going to talk about, that's his topic, right? His topic is going to mm-hmm. be, you know, what you need to know, what are the three metrics you need to mm-hmm. um, talk to your investors and talk to your board. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give him a while. I'll, I'll save his presentation. But I mentioned before, like net, look, net revenue retention. That is a big number for the VC and investor world. And mm-hmm. um, we think every company needs it, and we push it. Uh, but it's just it, it's it's getting to the point we see it when they come in and they talk to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of kind of it breaking through. At some point, I. I, I firmly believe this at some point a CS platform is going to be just as prevalent as a market automation platform is for a marketing team. Like who, mm-hmm. who in a marketing organization is not going to have a marketing automation platform at this point, right? It's, it would be crazy. And, and, mm-hmm. and rarely even do people make you prove the ROI anymore. Like back in the day, it's, you had it's to essential, show. That's yeah. an essential tool in the toolbox now. Yeah. And, and you're probably going to be soon also just one of those, you know, five, six, seven tools. It's, it's gotta be in the toolbox. Yeah. 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 And what, how much of, um, how much of churn comes down to just pricing mistakes in your, in your experience? You know, I don't, my experience is, is very little. Um, I, I kind of have a running joke when I've been buying SaaS software. Um, there's a set number. It always seems to be no matter what the product is, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that, and because data is so available, and not everybody publishes their pricing on their pages, but at this point, 
people know what everybody else. Um, so my experience is it, it, it gets it right now. You can, as every company does, you can try to go down market a little bit, but, mm-hmm. but is that a good fit for you? Right. All of a sudden you're getting smaller organizations that aren't quite ready where you go up market and all of a sudden these organizations expect more from you. Right? Oh, mm-hmm. you're going to charge us more. Or we want more. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I, again, my experience is between sales and marketing and leadership, there's enough concern and understanding about pricing now that for the most part, I think, I think people get it right. But I mean, maybe you're seeing other things you're hearing from other people. Um, but that's kind of my own little, yeah. little world. Yeah, no, I think I tend to agree with you. I, I believe um, there's, there, there are not many excuses left for, for totally whiffing on right. price and just totally screwing it up. You, you pretty much have, you have uh, enough precedent across, across most categories. Now you've got precedents. Yeah. And you should more or less stick within a band. And as you said, decide to go a little down market, a little bit up market. But, um, and the tech guys are getting so big too. Yeah. I think, you know, at some point you can't, you can't have a $500,000 worth of tech or a hundred thousand or whatever it is. Like you, you may be like, Oh, I love that tool, but I'm not paying $35,000 a year for that tool. Like it would be great, mm-hmm. but it, that, you know, that's half of my, CRM, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that there is probably some, um, and I've pushed back on vendors. I said, I mean, that's, I understand Mm -hmm. it's your price, your price, your price, but that seems to be a little uh, off balance compared to other tools in the tech stack that maybe have a Mm -hmm. bigger impact. And um, yeah, yeah, it, it is, it is about the value ultimately. And I imagine that when those annual contracts come up, um, and probably the CFO has got to be involved in this decision too. They're, they might say, "Hey, your SaaS tech stack is getting too yeah. getting too unwieldy here. You've got thirty five <clears throat> tools now in this toolbox. We need to get this down by ten percent, or get the cost down by ten percent." And then the well, whoever whoever has to trim that down then has to make those tough decisions. Where am I getting the value? Which tools are, are not being used too much anymore? Yep. And. Um, and maybe then it's already too late if you're going to be in that ten yeah. percent. If you haven't, if you haven't, haven't seen value out. yet, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you better. Again, that's why you need to know: Are they using your product? You know, getting yeah. value out of the product. Um, and and if they're not, you better get ahead of that curve before. Yeah. You know, not on nine, yeah. month nine, right? You need to do it on month yeah. six. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe part of this churn problem is also just exacerbated by the fact that these toolboxes themselves are getting so big. There's so many specialized tools doing so many things. Most of them talk to each other pretty well. Some of them still aren't there. But at some point, maybe the churn is just, I, I just can't juggle 25 SaaS products anymore. And I need to get this number down to 15 just because I'm asking my team to log into 20 tools every week. And uh, it's a nightmare. I, I, is that, I, is that to- happening? To- totally agree. My experience, I've left enough you know, a few SaaS tools on the, un, you know, unused on the, on the, you know, marketing floor, so to speak, just yeah. because either getting it up and running, not having a person to do it because, you know, on the marketing side, I mean, I think marketing ops is probably, it's grown over the years, but it's probably more critical than people want to kind of give it credit for because you mm-hmm. got to get these systems working together, sharing the data, seeing some value. And if you can't, Mm-hmm. To your point, that just there's just too many too many things going on, and it's you can't solve all the problems with every single tool. Yeah, does that does that really benefit 
some of these SaaS companies that are positioning themselves as a rebundling type of solutions where I'm thinking of ClickUp here. They're going to bundle the project management with the time tracking, with an applicant tracking, um, and maybe even they're going to encroach on the on the CRM space pretty soon here. Does that make does that help their churn rate by just saying that they become so essential because they've rebundled these these functions? I think it helps their stickiness, right? If I know mm-hmm. I can get three things out of one tool that I used to have three different tools. Um, yeah. Maybe I sacrifice a little bit for one of those in terms of the full features. Yeah. But if I'm actually using it and, and my team is logged into one platform and the yeah. data sharing, like I do think there is a case to be made that it, it's, it's, it's worth a little bit of sacrifice it's, to it's get productivity. it. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. It's productivity. Yeah. Just it's productivity. Definitely is. Yeah. Definitely yeah. is. Do you all have ClickUp as a as a customer? Uh, I don't know. I could I check it. You know, you get to that point where you don't recognize all the names anymore. You get big yeah. enough. Uh, you know, how, how many how many customers do you have? Uh, I think we almost have five hundred. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think you're at the tip of the iceberg, though. I mean, how many SaaS companies are out there? Twenty thousand. Well, these are maybe the maybe that's not the right question. Uh, how many SaaS companies are out there that are ready to buy? And you know, at the stage of maturity, we we think there's probably about ten thousand out there. Okay, yeah. Um, so you you're five percent penetrated your total addressable market. Yeah. So we so we need to get people a up lot of room. Yeah. yeah. And there's well, a lot of exciting. education. You know, what I mean, yeah. Um, you still got to get people comfortable. Like I said, that analogy of the market mm-hmm. automation. Like you you can't just mm-hmm. use it if you don't know how what it means and have the content and and do all the different things. So um, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's exciting. Like to your point, like, why do they all use it? That's what we're saying. Why, you know, we got to get people comfortable and understanding and seeing how it can do it. And it's not mm. overwhelming. It's a, it's a, because the software has become, you know, we've gotten so much better at making the usability and making their understanding of what they're trying to do. I mean, look, Churn Zero really is a much more sophisticated and a powerful marketing automation platform because we use data to determine what we're going to share with you and journeys mm-hmm. and, you know, automated plays and, and, and things like that. But, you know, kind of once you get, get hold of it, understand it, it's pretty powerful for your yeah. team. I imagine the, it's, it's quite a commitment to go with you guys. Have you thought about or talked about taking a stab at a product led growth play where you can just, give somebody a taste of that value, even on their first visit to the website somehow? You know, we, we've, we've talked about it and I've had other companies where I've been at where that thought is, but it, it requires data, right? That's, mm-hmm. a, that's one of the things to really take advantage of the platform, having your CRM data, but more importantly, having your product data, having that usage mm-hmm. data come into our system so you know how someone is using the product. And that's hard to do yeah. just to have someone kind of set it up. Um, we've, we've have some features that make it easier, um, just using JavaScript and things like that, but it still requires a little bit of work. Um, I mean, not a ton, but, but having someone do mm-hmm. it on their own and set it up and, and see the value and, you know, it takes a little bit of time to, you know, it's, 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 um, is definitely a bigger lift than we don't have set it up yet now for anybody to do. Mm-hmm. I take a lot of pride in trying to come up with creative product-led growth <laughs> ideas um, for companies, and I'm I'm still stuck here. This is a tough one because you need to harness their data to show them the value, and that's 
we're still in these early days, I think, of just trying to get first-party data. Figure, yeah. First of all, what is it? Where is it? Where does it live? How do we get it into one place, like a warehouse? Um, and then, and then, how do we use it? And what do we, yeah. what do we do with it? And I think, in your case, I, I'm I'm really stuck on how, how you would provide a an instantaneous uh, uh, experience where people where there would be a light bulb moment. They really just have to to say, this is just a big enough priority for our company right now. We're at that stage where this this is a problem that's getting too big. It's too expensive. This is a tool that has to be a, not a nice to have, but a need to have yeah. in our toolbox. Yeah. yeah. So that, now let's, it's all on marketing. We got to convince everybody. It's that on you. They need. It's on me. Yeah. It's on us. Well, let's talk about your marketing, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, what kind of marketing mix do you have? Channels? Um, I'm not going to ask for your budget, but uh, what what's working and, and what's the overall marketing landscape for you I guys? I mean, a lot of things we do, the classic SaaS marketing, right? A lot of content. Um, mm-hmm. Very active on our on our blog, um, paid media, right? We're doing a lot of that, um, mm-hmm. and uh, enhance our database. So we know who we're going after. I mean, very targeted in terms of our our the personas. Um, you know, one of the things that we because we mentioned this before, like a lot of this is about getting people comfortable with the idea of what CS is and how to be better at CS. Pre pandemic, we were doing a lot of these um, regional um, networking events. So we'd go to in a city, we had about 30 planned for 2020. And we were, I actually went to the last one in Denver. We, oh, we held them at a customer site. It's a networking mm-hmm. event at the end of the day. We have someone for Churn Zero, the CS leader at that, that customer. And then sometimes we have a lot of, there's a lot of consultants and thought leaders out there. So we maybe have three people. So you do a little networking and then you have a panel, 20 to 25 people. Mm-hmm. I, I've done those in the past, they're okay. These were great because there's so many people in the CS world who want to understand how to be better at it. And there are a lot of people who were a CSM six months ago, mm-hmm. and now they're the manager of the CS team. And in six months, they're going to be a director of the CS team because the path mm-hmm. to get people in that is so you know, quick. Mm-hmm. So these type of events. So when we went the pandemic, we turned them into, we call them rigs, red, yellow, green, right? That's the acronym for, so we turned them into virtual rigs. And so we started having those and we thought, oh, if we get 50 people on those, it'll be great. Well, then we were getting 150, 250 people around a topic around CS. So we've really been leaning into, I know it's not new, but like how, what are the topics that CS leaders need and understand and how, and can they talk to each other, right? A lot of it is just this whole idea of, interacting with each other. So these events, uh, and we started, we had one in Boston last week. Uh, Yuman, our CEO, is there. We have one in Chicago and and Denver planning for September. So we're trying to get back into that. Let's mm-hmm. get in front of people. Let's get people connected. So a lot of it is just around content that's just trying to make them really better at the CS side of it, mm-hmm. uh, promoting our team. Our, you know, our CS leaders are the ones who host these events. So um, yeah. you know, that's kind of the one thing we've been leaning on a lot because we do think there's there's an appetite for just getting much better at at the CS world because there's just it's so new, right? Mm-hmm. And and they need to find out people they can talk to. I'm guessing that the CS's KPIs they have to be churn rate and upsell. Am I am I right? Or are there other things? Well, I mean, there's you know, it's MPS. Uh, there's yeah, different MPS ways works. of where they fit. Like there's still a lot indicator. of organizations. Yeah, there's still a lot of organizations that may 
account management, right? It's not CS. So they still own mm. that renewal. They still own the upsell. Not all CS teams are owning that. I mean, I think the, the more okay. mature ones are. So some of them just may be any, any surveys, CSAT, customer, you know, um, the MPS. So things like that are ways they can metrics. But I think, as you said, the more advanced ones are really looking at that owning the churn rate, owning the upsell. And when they do that, um, they're very powerful and they have a lot of say in the organization. Mm-hmm. So back to your marketing mix, it sounds like a big investment in events and you're looking forward to getting back to that uh, hopefully very soon, or you're already getting back into that. So fingers crossed there's right. no more, I don't know, nothing that will prevent us from having those events. Right. Um, I'm thinking about paid search and LinkedIn also just being both of those being really critical channels. Um, on the paid search side, how do you anticipate or predict what a, uh, not the obvious keywords like reduce my churn rate, but what else would somebody look for that would indicate you've got your persona, you've got a, you've got a customer success person searching, but they're searching around the periphery or some adjacent type of keywords um, if you can reveal any of those nuggets. Um, well, I mean, I think there, there's some obvious ones like customer onboarding. As I mentioned, onboarding mm-hmm. is is really key. And it's one of our, in terms of we publish an onboarding ebook, we have an onboarding webinar. It's mm-hmm. always one of our best pieces of content because people know how important it is. That initial implementation to first few months, get in the user product the right way, to your point earlier, right? There's enough people who forget about it. It just it just gets lost and no one uses it and then it churns. So if you can get them on board and doing things like that, um, mm-hmm. you know, product walkthroughs, I think, I think that that's a big one. I mean, we've added that as a feature in the last year because we know that once you can digitally let people walk through your product, understand mm-hmm. the key parts of it and make it very easy for you as a, CS team to create those uh, mm-hmm. and make them engaging, right? So that people want to and see it and just don't ignore it. Um, yeah. But then it's the classic. It's the retention. I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's nothing it, 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 you would think, and we've tried, we've tested other more obscure ones, but in the end it comes down mm-hmm. to customer success, customer yeah. sharing, mm-hmm. uh, revenue retention, retention is a big one, right? So, yeah. Yeah. How about on the other side, on LinkedIn, um, account-based marketing, do you all do any of that? We, we are, we've been getting more and more into it. Um, I think okay. there, there is a three or four years ago, I think it was probably more hype than actual value. Um, I think mm-hmm. that, as I, I think talked about earlier, the CS is probably the platforms have kind of caught up to, to what CS teams are. I think ABM is finally, the technology has caught up to the value. Right, the intent data, mm-hmm. the combining, like we talked for the CS, on a marketing side of, I can combine all these different signals into a single platform, understand, and then take that data and use it to target people out. Mm-hmm. Um, like the biggest area is a, is sort of the black hole of, you know, there's people out there, your ICP, but they don't know who you are, and you don't know who they are either. But you have to go find them, and that's where I think mm-hmm. a lot of the the story of the intent data helps. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a, I will say a enthusiastic convert now of the ABM after, after being a skeptic for, for so many years, I think yeah. it's caught up. Yeah. yeah. I'm very curious to know, you can obviously go onto LinkedIn and you can just say, I want to target every job title with customer success. 
and maybe that's effective. But the when you get into the intent data, then you start to reach all the maybe not the budget holders or the decision makers, but all the influencers of those people. Then it gets really interesting because then your your audience size multiplies, and I think it's it's equally interesting and can be effective if you reach. Uh, not necessarily the decision makers, but you're getting your foot in the door with someone who will influence the decision maker. They'll take that to the decision maker. The, the, the junior CS is going to go to the to the director and say, hey, I think we need this tool to help me do my job better. Can we buy it? Or can we at least look into it? And I think that's the difference between LinkedIn's... I mean, to me, LinkedIn's job title targeting is, is the number one targeting method there is. Um... But when you really bring in the the intent data, then you're getting out to all the um, the influencers of the of the budget holders and decision makers. Yeah, and we, we love LinkedIn, and LinkedIn's a, as, you, as you mentioned yeah. is is probably the best database to mark to. Not for not for the classic demo leads, right? That's that's not what they're for. I mean, no, we've learned it's, that. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now when they're ready, they're gonna you're gonna get them through paid search, of yeah, course. Right. But but you have to nurture them on LinkedIn, and I think this is something that we tell a lot of our clients and prospects as well, is that uh, these channels don't exist in silos. Um, there is a journey and a lot of people will get educated and you'll generate the demand on LinkedIn, but you won't capture it there. You'll capture it later in search. So don't attribute all the value of, of the paid right. search budget and just say that that's a so-called all last click because LinkedIn um, LinkedIn is creating a lot of that demand that otherwise wouldn't have been fulfilled. Um and that's not only between those two channels. That's that's a, a lot of a, a lot of other channels as well, including say YouTube and yep. um, and even Facebook. Totally um, agree. Yep. Totally yeah. agree. Um, and and I think it's interesting how content marketing overlaps quite a bit with with ABM on LinkedIn too, because you're uh, you. I, I used to think of content marketing as we we develop great content that's going to educate people and it's going to prime the top of the funnel. And we want to rank that content organically in search results. We want to get organic traffic. You still have that, but now you can use this content to, to build these journeys in LinkedIn and you can actually create fuel for your ad campaigns. And that's where I think you get the double, you can actually leverage them to get double value from great content. If you do a good job with ABM and that content has a double, uh, it can serve a double purpose. I mean, it can be very, very effective at getting people to, to become aware and then move in, into some some state of, of a mild uh, mild interest. Yeah, we, we've gotten much better in the last year, year and a half with the whole LinkedIn funnel, right? There is a funnel in LinkedIn, right? I'm not saying the bottom yeah. of the funnel is a demo, but there is mm -hmm. that that awareness and how how they're moving down and the content we target for those those people um, is it, it's gotten much better. And and mm -hmm. I think as you said, you're it's telling that story, finding the right point, giving the right piece of content, and then they're gonna find you and decide, okay, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. ready. I'm ready for this platform or I need to know more. Let me tell me how how you're gonna help. And and, yeah. and LinkedIn is very good at helping you kind of bring people down that 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 funnel. Yep, absolutely. Well Hunter, this this has been great. I've got one more key question for you here. Okay. And it's, it's really a meta one because I want to know about your churn rate. Um, <laughs> how was your churn rate at churn zero? How is uh, it our, doing? Our churn rate is, is very good. As I mentioned, okay. we use our own churn score now to forecast out the quarter and mm -hmm. it just makes our team that much more 
uh, efficient, productive, and um, you know, accurate when they you know ultimately go back to the board and say, "Here's how we're going to do," and we mm-hmm. feel very confident because we've we've seen how how accurate our our score can be. It took time, took refinement. Um, so mm-hmm. um, we are we are drinking our own champagne, eating dog, our own dog, dog food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I had to ask. I mean, yeah. Clearly, you course. must be you must be using it. Um, and the other question related to that is we talked about trying to also break apart the silos between marketing sales, customer success. Are you as a top marketer in your organization, do you have, do you have skin in the game on churn rate at churn zero? I don't have direct skin rate, you know, um, Uh know, but I, for the churn rate, um, but we have an active conversation dialogue between sales, CS and marketing because, as we market to people and we want to make sure we're getting the right people. But what I also do is go back into a weekly meeting with a chief customer officer and we talk about content and features. And I say, Hey, I know this new feature is coming out. You know, sales wants to go immediately. CS wants to hold it, right? Oh, we're not quite ready to talk about it. On the marketing side, you know, we kind of have to balance that between the two because we want to get mm-hmm. people excited, but, it, you don't want to get too headed, far ahead of it where you oversell a, a feature. So we are kind of that balancing between CS and sales to make sure when customers come in, they know what we're doing. We're representing ourselves accurately. Not sales, not saying sales doesn't do that, but to make sure that when people, there's no surprises, there's no misconceptions, there's no, there's an understanding of what they're going to get when they come in and not, you know, have something be totally. Um, off offset in in that communication. Did I lose you? Hey, are you back? Yeah. Did did we get we get disconnected? No worries. <laughs> we'll we'll just edit that right out. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Do you remember where you dropped off? I don't remember where I dropped off. Okay, so. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into the next question because I I've been. I thought I had only one more, but that led me to another question, which is that I see it as a, as a circle or a loop where um, you're, you're, you're arming salespeople for success. Those salespeople should set up the customer success people for success. But then those CS people need to feed the learn. They need to feed stuff back to marketing, like case studies mm-hmm. and maybe other stuff, but they need to tell the stories. They need to tell those they have the customer success. They need to tell those stories and give you that, arm you with those case studies. Is that happening at Turn Zero? It is. And we have a couple of ways to do that. And this is kind of back to as you integrate the data. And I mentioned the Slack thing before. We have a channel in Slack that pulls out when we do called success stories. And we do our MPS and we do other surveys. And when people come back and they have kind of a success story, it gets triggered and it gets populated into Slack. Everybody in the company can subscribe to the channel. Marketing does. We look at it. We identify it. And we say, hey, that's a pretty interesting story. Because and not only just case studies. Case studies are kind of, yes, they're what you ultimately want to get. But they're big. They, take, they require a lot of interviewing, a lot of approval. Where just getting a blog topic where you get to quote three customers on the same topic because you've seen mm-hmm. it kind of come through. We also have a customer community. And those are great places to find like mm-hmm. how customers are using your platform because they're interacting with each other, not you. 
They're yeah. saying, fellow customer, I've used this. Who's done that? You know, they yeah, share they these stories. Voice of the customer. Yeah. So you pull those out. Um, and then we have, you know, we have now with the CS team, uh, biweekly, they have a, they, they highlight a customer. They do a half an hour kind of little highlight of that, that story. Mm-hmm. And if we think it's interesting or it's a, or if it's an area that we sort of are deficient in content, right? Like, Hey, that's one topic we don't have a, we'll go and yeah. one, we did one two weeks ago and we're now going to do a case study with that customer great. because it was a great yeah. story. And the CS person is going to be able to kind of bring that to the top. But as mm-hmm. I mentioned, the other one though, the, the Slack one and the community is better because it doesn't require you going to the CS team and saying, Hey, do you have any customers you want to highlight? Do you have any stories you want to share? They're so busy with their job. And sure, there's yeah. some that they want to do. But when you can pull it out yourself as a marketing mm-hmm. team, and you go back to the CS, CSM and say, hey, we want to highlight XYZ company. Are you cool with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, they're great. Let me know You know, if you need anything mm-hmm. from me. Or no, 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 there are renewals coming up. Can you hold off, right? So as long as you know how to do that and no one's caught off guard or you go in yeah. and they've got like five support tickets and you don't want to contact them because you, you can see that. So yeah, that's the ability where marketing, um, when we can be self-sufficient somewhat and we can find it, mm-hmm. our, those nuggets ourselves and they can be micro comments. That's what we, that's where we that's, get the best. You just, you just said the word that was on the tip of my tongue, which is nuggets. Yeah. These are, these are the nuggets that marketing needs. They don't need necessarily uh, uh, in a complete case study. They don't need material for another white paper or something. They just need those nuggets. Give me a, a couple of good quotes here and there um, so that I can just, I can fill in the gaps or yeah. I can just pepper, I can just pepper, pepper that around. Right. I think that's what so much of marketing now is now that it's, there's some fatigue around long form content. And I think it's coming back to short form, even micro, micro short form, because people want to consume so much faster. The attention spans on mobile are getting shorter and shorter. And a really good nugget can be just as effective as a hundred page ebook or a slick, slick case study. Yeah. If it's delivered at the right time to the right person. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. Awesome. Hunter, it's been great. Uh, do you have, is there anything that I didn't ask you that uh, you wished I would have asked you or anything that you'd like for our audience to know? I don't know. This has been a really good conversation. I've been talking for a while. I, I, I love this. I love to be able to get out and talk to other people. You know, you're kind of stuck in the Zoom world or a few people in the office. So, um, yeah, you know, not, not that I can think of. You've really get, okay. you hit them all. All right. Great. Well, Everybody, it's churn zero. So our our SaaS audience, uh, if you if you haven't checked them out, you got to check them out. Um, it's it's something that can help your probably your biggest problem, which is churn and retention. So Hunter, thanks very much for being with me today, and I uh, appreciate the time. Oh, thank you. It's been great. All right. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop. Be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about SaaS growth marketing, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P, dot online. Have a great day.